Today on Real COVID Stories, I'm talking with Dr. K from Tampa, Florida. He shares with us the difference in treatment options available to those people he's seeing in ER versus those he's able to treat in his integrative medical clinic. He also discusses the type of scan that is being used to show damage in the lungs of even asymptomatic patients. You're listening to Real COVID Stories with Ivy Lane. The media numbers don't show the full story. Millions of people around the world have been sick for months and months on end. This podcast serves to share their stories, real stories of how people's lives have changed, stories of the daily struggles, the prejudice, the pain, the triumph, the funny, and more. So hi, it's Ivy here, and today on COVID Stories, we're talking to Dr. K, or um, Prudvi, from Florida. Hi, Prudvi. Hi, Ivy. Thanks for this opportunity to get on your show. I'm, I'm really excited to share some of my knowledge and also to maybe you know find out more about you lovely and thanks for thanks for your time it's it's great you're the first practitioner yeah. i've had um that i've been talking to so there's a few more that will hopefully follow but yeah thank you very much for your time no so problem. can you just tell us a little bit about you know your background and your training and why you got into healthcare and, and medicine sure you know i was born and brought up in southern india Mm-hmm. And uh, my da- my uh, father was a general practitioner, so he had his own clinic. He used to see uh, clients in the office. And um, in my childhood, I saw how he uh, how he helped a lot of people recover from their illness, and I thought it was really cool. And uh, I wanted to do um, do such a thing one day, and that's why I started my career in medicine. Uh huh. So did you study in yeah, India? So. Yeah, I studied, um, you know, um, I went to medical school in India, mm-hmm. and then I came to the States in 2004. I did a master's in public health, and then I did a residency program in Illinois uh, in internal medicine, and then I did two other fellowships. One was in sleep medicine and geriatrics. Okay. And I've been doing uh, a lot of internal medicine stuff and some ER work in the last 10 years or so. Uh, I lived in Kansas, and now I'm presently living in Tampa, Florida. So um, I also have an um, alternative medicine clinic um, here in uh, Florida. It's called Integrated Therapeutics. Mm-hmm. So I've been staying busy with my work and uh, these ventures for the last several years. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with the integrative practice, um, is that where you're seeing COVID patients, or is it more in the ER sort of I see I see most of the covid patients in the uh, in the hospital setting mm-hmm. in, the, in the wards in the floors um there's not much in uh, in in the clinic um you know sometimes I would see um some clients remotely because you know they prefer not to come in yeah. and um, um sometimes we do testing um sometimes we do um IV vitamin infusions um mm-hmm. so mostly in the hospital arena and that's, so you're able to do IV vitamins in the hospital? No, not really. You know, it's available, but, uh, you know, what, what I can do is restricted here yes. because of liability. And, you know, it's yeah. the same in Australia probably. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't done any vitamin infusions in the hospital setting. Mm-hmm. Just in the clinic? In the clinic, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and so have you personally had COVID? No, I never. That's a good question. I never had COVID, uh, or at least as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I may have had episodes where I had a fever and so forth, but I was never positive for COVID. Um, okay. 
through my through my corporate through my work i was tested for antibody mm-hmm. uh, like the igg antibody and those came back negative okay so yeah you've you've scaled uh, got through it <laughs> so <far>. fingers crossed <laughs> yeah. yeah um so what if any other trends that you're seeing in um covid patients um, you know, here in Florida and uh, U.S. in general, you know, we were thinking that the numbers are going to be really high in March and April when it, when the COVID first came in New York City, but we didn't have many cases at the time. Mm-hmm. We started seeing cases um, like at a really high level like two months ago, and since then, you know, it is coming down, but it's staying like uh, uh, it is plateauing. So there are still a lot of patients coming in. Mm-hmm. It's not as uh, as much as two months ago. Well, that's good. Uh, but there is a steady volume of patients who are coming in. Mm. Uh, we're also seeing a lot of exposure, like uh, if the kid goes to a swimming pool or if the kid is in a competition, they get the virus. And then obviously they're passed on to the parents, grandparents. So we are seeing the asymptomatic transmission a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had like a few deaths uh, initially uh, back in... Uh, April, May, uh, when when the COVID first came. Uh, lately, the number of deaths have gone down, and we are seeing um, like uh, like the patients stay for like many days to weeks in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But most of them are recovering and they're going home. Okay. Um, obviously, you know, I don't know what happens after like after they go home. You know, we, mm. we don't follow them. So yeah. Apparently, there was a study done in uh, Massachusetts um, or Michigan. Now I don't remember on follow-up okay um i don't remember the name of it um one of that's the, okay um yeah. but yeah they were actually following calling people 10 months 10 weeks later and seeing 10 weeks later and yeah. seeing if they're still sick and i think it was about 26 percent of people are still sick they're still symptomatic okay okay yeah yes yes yeah, yeah i've talked to um i've talked to some of the pulmonary doctors mm-hmm. and they noticed the uh, like even if you don't have any symptoms, if you're COVID positive, they notice that when they do the CAT scans, you know, obviously we are not supposed to do X-rays and CAT scans if there are no symptoms. Mm-hmm. But when they do the uh, high resolution CAT scan, they notice a lot of fibrosis, there's a lot of uh, damage in the lungs, even though they don't have symptoms. Mm, that's fascinating. And, <laughs> and, uh, and they are, they're really worried because that means the people who have symptoms may have more damage in the lungs that mm. they don't know about. Mm. And uh, some of them, they're starting them on medications like they're typically used for pulmonary fibrosis, which is fibrosis essentially like once you have the inflammation, you have the swelling. Mm-hmm. After the swelling, the body body repairs the tissue and then it becomes like a very thick tissue. It loses elasticity. It becomes, you know, we call it fibrosis. Yeah. The problem is if it happens in the lung, the lung can't expand and contract like a regular lung can. So it affects the breathing function, the gas exchange and the, you know, oxygenation. So, um, so they are starting them on some immunosuppressive medication that they typically use for uh, fibrosis. So that's a very interesting trend we noticed uh, when, when uh, you know, like when I talked to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, we are looking for studies, like we don't have research to, to find out like what the actual numbers are, like how many people have that problem versus how many people have COVID and they're completely recovering and their lungs are completely fine. We don't know that yet. Mm. I would love to get mine scanned. I didn't, the lung for me wasn't such a big issue. Um, mm-hmm. When it started to go to my lungs, that's when I contacted a Chinese doctor 
who made herbs for me um, and I was doing what I could. And I did get some lung, lung stuff, but, it, you know, that's not a symptom that keeps coming back mm-hmm. for me. So you, you don't have any shortness of breath or difficulty no. with breathing? I mean, I did, I did, but I don't, you know, I did for maybe maybe a week and a half, two weeks, but it okay. wasn't significant. But l- my lungs are the, the strongest part of me. That's good. Um, yeah. So, but that was when I when I got really scared because I'm like, I've never had anything in my lungs, and mm-hmm. now I've got something. That's when I and I was like, okay, this is beyond what I can do, and that's when I, you know, yeah. <laughs> really started yeah. to get help because I couldn't, you know, yeah, couldn't look after myself anymore. Yeah. But I think that good. that's really interesting that you said that because that's some of the confusion that you know the people who are have who are experiencing post COVID syndrome, the you know. Then the scans that they're getting are showing that their lungs are fine. There's a lot of confusion, um, and I just think that maybe the wrong scans are being done to pick up the damage. That yeah, yeah. Is it a, a CT scan or is it an X-ray that they're doing? Do you know? Ah, uh, I it, different people would be. Yeah, okay. so I had an okay. X-ray on my on my lungs. I didn't have a CT okay. scan scan on my lungs. Yeah, and and each country is very different. Like uh, mm-hmm. Australia, maybe it's different. You know, when I talk to my friends in India, like the doctor friends, mm-hmm. apparently they are doing a lot more CAT scans. They find that the CAT scans are much more reliable. Yeah, even like the testing is not reliable. They'll do the CAT scan. If the CAT scan is showing damage, they'll go ahead and treat them as COVID. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and so, what about the heart scans? Do, to you. Have you have you had um no the uh, scans on the heart? It. Do you know much about what damage is being found in the uh, heart? on the heart? Yeah. Um, we had some patients where the lining of the heart on the inside it is inflamed. Mm-hmm. So they're having chest pain. They may have shortness of breath. And they're also having increased risk of blood clots forming inside the vascular system. Would that be contributing to the, the stroke-like symptoms that people are experiencing? It is possible, uh, but we think the stroke is more because of uh, clotting happening in the vessel supply in the brain. Right. You know, sometimes the clots can travel from the heart to the brain, but you yeah. know, we think it's more uh, the vasculature in the brain itself, which is inflamed and probably at risk for clotting. Yeah. That's actually <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is yeah, really, yeah. Really, really terrifying. Um, yeah, because you know, with me, it's there's the brain issue still going on, and but that my worst symptoms was stroke-like symptoms, and um, more in the brain. Okay. Yeah, and when I did go to emergency, I was diagnosed with viral myocarditis. So myocarditis as well. Okay. Yeah. So okay. is that that the inflammation of the lining? Lining of the heart, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. Well, that makes that makes sense. <laughs> Were you having chest pain at the time? Oh, yeah. Not? That's that's. So I had okay. numbness all the way down, and I like droopiness here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was on steroids um, for a mm-hmm. week, and mm-hmm. then they stopped working. And you know, I I went finally went because I was trying to stay out of hospital because it might, I was going to leave my kids alone. Um, right, right. And um, but they were also watching me having what they thought yeah, was a stroke. Yeah. Um, so I decided, you know, I'm not doing this to them again and I'm going in and I had all all manner of pain in my heart, like stabbing, like it felt my heart was getting squeezed, um, Uh radiating pain, you know, going down, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the the constant, the chest pain down the center, that was uh, through the whole sickness that was always there as well. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, I, I don't think the steroids really help. And they may help to some extent, but you know, we really don't have a good treatment, at least mm-hmm. in traditional medicine. Yeah. Uh, for the for the myocarditis, you know. Yeah, no, but the steroids help with the 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 droopiness. Okay. Okay. You know, and the tingling and the numbness, and um, mm-hmm. they really help with that. But then my doctor doesn't, you know, he's doesn't didn't want me being on them for any length of time. <laughs> I probably would have right, still right. taken them for longer, but he was like, no, 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 no. Like how long in total did you take the steroids for? Uh, four or five days. Four to five days. Okay. Yeah. And it yeah, was a have, I've seen some doctors doing uh, 10 days. I've, I've even seen some doctors do for, it for like as long as 20 days here. Yeah. My, my doctor's very cautious on them. Um, okay. Okay. Know, he, which is why I like him. He's not a yeah. he's not a medicine pusher. He's he's more let's see what we can do and you know that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Um. So, how do you approach supporting COVID patients? So, um, you know, I uh, I follow um, Institute of Functional Medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a um. I probably met you on their group or, yes. you know, probably yeah. you were on their group. Okay. So the, um, they have a protocol where they combine, um, um, dose of vitamin C, vitamin D, mm-hmm. uh, zinc, which are the main ones, but they have other supplements, uh, as well on their, um, uh, on their list for either treatment of COVID or, or for, uh, prevention of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, something like, um, echinacea and so forth. And I usually follow that. Um, and um, I sometimes do high dose vitamin C infusion. You know, mm-hmm. there are limited uh, research out of China, which showed that, you know, when you do high dose vitamin C infusion, it can help uh, uh, reduce the length of stay in the ICU. It, mm-hmm. uh, it can make people go from the ICU and then make them feel better and they go to the regular hospital. And sometimes they even go home early. Yeah. So um, I've done that. And then, um, uh, I've also done energy healing mm-hmm. for some of my clients. So how does the energy uh, healing work? So the energy healing is something like acupuncture, but I don't use needles. I work mm-hmm. with my hands and I work yeah. from a distance, remove any blocks in the chakras and mm-hmm. uh, uh, work on the aura. Yeah. So um, I've noticed that the COVID, it can, it can not only affect the lungs, it affects the entire body. Mm-hmm. Then, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm talking, uh, I'm talking energetically, not, yeah. uh, Sometimes physically you may notice, but energetically um, it affects the entire body. So you have to work mm-hmm. on all the chakras yeah. and um, uh, make the body strong enough where the immunity can fight off the virus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I think for people who have been sick for a long time, um, just that you know, that makes sense emotionally. It's the the emotional toll is what is the hardest I think for a lot of people. So. It's very difficult. And also, you know, the, the difficult part is you cannot talk to anybody. Yeah. You, you cannot ring your, um, your, your general practitioner. You cannot ring your nurse. And, you know, like there is no point in talking to them because they'll say, you know, just deal with it. Yeah. So there's nobody to talk to. Like they don't have, uh, you know, they can only talk to their family who may or may not be able to help them. Yeah. And, um, you know, they develop depression after a while. And it's very, it's very difficult. Yes. And then, and then the society judges them for having an infection. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, uh, if you, if you remember, do you remember leprosy in India? Mm -hmm. Leprosy is they have, uh, they have contractors in hands and, um, you know, those people are looked down upon uh, like a long time ago. 
So the same thing happened with COVID. You know, people are looked down upon and nobody wants to talk to them. Nobody wants to be social with them. And all of this contributes to an emotional toll. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is why these groups are so wonderful. Um, and those of us who got sick early didn't have that support, you know. That's and, true. Yeah. But what I'm noticing, the people who have the support in their families are the ones mm-hmm. that are doing better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're yeah. healing they're stronger, they've got more hope, um, the ones whose families are not supporting them, their friends, you know, it's, there's also, there's a huge element of um, thought that it's just anxiety or that you're making it up and, and especially people who weren't able to get a positive test. That is true. And yeah. there's a whole heap of us who the testing wasn't even available because mm-hmm. we were sick too early and, you know, the yeah. by the time I got tested, I was well outside the testing range. That is true. Yeah. yeah, and and so yeah, it's the emotional toll. Yeah, it's it, it. What people don't realize, you know, and there's a lot of people who are suicidal. You know, every day somebody will say, "I would rather be dead than be going through this again." Mm-hmm. Because remember, at least in the West, in uh, in Australia, Europe, and America, people are used to going around, and they they're used to going to the restaurants on a regular basis. They're used to going to the shopping malls. They're used to going to movie theaters, like like everything that a normal person do does. And then suddenly over a period of six months or 10 months now, you're not letting them go anywhere. So yeah. that itself will make you depressed, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's why that's why this has been so fun. I mean, we're opened up now. Um, yeah. Things are pretty much back to normal here. We're still wearing masks, um, okay. but there's restrictions on social things. But, you know, we, yeah. we we're in lockdown for a very long time. Yeah, harsh lockdown. Um, but so I think it's a lot easier here um, than I think other parts of the world. But the talk, having these conversations is actually really <laughs> uplifting. Yeah, no, Australia. Yeah, Australia is a, is a very is in a very unique situation because they're they're landlocked. They're separated from the rest of the world. Um, I think they have a really good opportunity to control the virus because you know they can they can absolutely control international travel. So you know. Yeah, and and we're also a smaller population. Mm-hmm. And we also have a mentality of, of you know, it's very strict getting into the country for a number of reasons. And that my home state, Western Australia, is even more isolated and more, you know, the mentality of anything getting in there. You know, you can't even bring food, fruits or food, you know, a lot of things you can't bring into the state. Um, so they locked down really early, shut off, and they, they've been, you know, they've had it controlled within a couple of months. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. But yeah, it's yeah. we have a geographical advantage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So is there anything you've found that is really helping the COVID patients the most? That's a really good question. So um, some of my patients have um, have tried uh, glutathione using nebulizer. Yeah. Um, obviously you can take uh, N-acetylcysteine, you know, which can help with increasing glutathione. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like anything that helps with antioxidants that helps COVID. Um, so uh, we have used N-acetylcysteine. You know, the brand name here is Mucomist uh, Nebulizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has helped some of the clients. You know, we regularly use that for uh, for kids with cystic fibrosis who have really bad lung disease. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, yes. So, so we have used Mucomist that helps. Um, we have sometimes actually used the glutathione in, into the nebulizer and that helps reduce the inflammation in the lung. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Uh, yeah, mainly vitamin C. You know, I would, I would, uh, you know, I would, you know, suggest using high dose vitamin C because it's very safe. It's mm-hmm. easily available, and uh, you know, it, it really helps with the immune system. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that's on the holistic side. Traditional medicine, you know, like what I have done in the hospital is, uh, for most of the clients, we're we're giving the dexamethasone, which is a steroid. Mm-hmm. So most of them get that. And then we are using um, remdesivir as long as they're, uh, they qualify for the drug. There's uh, been a bit of talk about that in the forum. Now, what is that normally used for? It's an antiviral drug, and it's, uh, it's something similar to what we use for HIV. Okay. Um, so it's an antiviral drug. So we, we give it's, it's a series of uh, infusions over five days. Mm-hmm. So most of, most of the patients are getting that. And the last thing that they're getting that, that that really is helping them is the we call it convalescent plasma. Where, let's say you recovered from COVID, we take blood from you, take the antibodies, and we inject into the um, into the patient who is sick right now. So I think that's really helping a lot of yeah. patients. Yeah, I know that's not available in Australia. Oh really? Okay. No, okay. no. It, it's interesting the way that we've they've approached it here. You know, we don't do antibody testing. <laughs> can't, can't oh really? Okay. Yeah. Um, which you know raises questions why <laughs> yeah yeah why I, um, I think antibody testing is 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 important as well because sometimes you want to look back and see if you have igm or igg antibodies you know yeah and know yeah. you know how you know are you going to catch it again you know that, that that's just, you know i that, would that's true as well. research yeah. for that but yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. all my children you know because they all got sick to varying degrees you know i think my my son who hardly got sick at all he's probably got great antibodies in his system <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true yeah yeah <laughs> he could easily donate if they were doing that but yes yeah so um as i've mentioned the neurological symptoms are you know seem to be the the ongoing complaint for those of us who've gotten over the main symptoms apart from the random there is random throwbacks which is just part of the expect the unexpected i think um so is that something that you're seeing in patients or yeah, a lot. So um, I, I recently got a call from somebody, um, you know, this particular pa- uh, client or patient. She recovered from coronavirus. She really didn't have a major illness. She just lost smell mm-hmm. and maybe taste. And then she recovered that in a week. Um, but her main thing is she has this burning sensation in the arm and the leg. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, we call it neuropathy in traditional medicine. And um, she reached out to me saying that, you know, hey, this is this is not going away. And I uh, I really don't want to go to a neurologist or a gastroenterologist because they're going to they're going to prescribe regular medication, which may or may not help. Mm-hmm. Um, so neuropathy is becoming very common. There's a lot of brain fog, you know, mm-hmm. if you know what brain fog is. You yes, know, I call it Rona brain. <laughs> but yeah. Rona brain, yeah. I didn't know that it's, there's a term. It's, for me, because I've had a lot of brain fog over the years just with different illnesses, and um, for me it's slightly different. It, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's an emptiness rather yeah. than a fogginess. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a fogginess too, but literally there can be nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing going on in my head. Yeah, we can probably do like a um, like a neurocognitive test and show you like which domains your brain is not performing well compared to compared to before. Um, so we are seeing a lot of that, and uh, I had few patients who who had COVID, and then they suddenly developed a massive stroke where we had to fly them to a different hospital. Yeah. 
wow. you know, that happens. Um, and, uh, and I was also studying research, you know, before I got on the call with you, you know, there's some Canadian study, which is, uh, which is, you know, they're looking at uh, accelerated aging in the brain, mm. where, you know, uh, if you look at a brain of a 90 year old and compared to a brain of a young person, the 90 year old brain has like a lot of mini strokes, mm-hmm. you know, we call them like Lackner infarcts. And they're saying that maybe COVID is causing that where it is accelerating the aging and causing these mini strokes in the brain. Wow. That's, that's, I said to my son, um, this actually made me tear. I said to my son last week that if I can't figure this out, I feel like I'm going to have dementia in a few years. You know? That is true. And yeah. That's and what and they, like. they talked about, they talked about it. Like if, uh, if this is not treated and COVID in the long term can lead to dementia, that, that's what they're, Again, this is preliminary. They're, they're thinking mm-hmm. about it, and they're 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 doing research now. Um, and and it's really important. That, you know, it's, I'm not trying to. You know, when I when I do these uh, these calls or interviews, people think that I'm trying to scare people because I'm a doctor and and all of that stuff. I don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> the the reason why we share this knowledge is because. You know, uh, we still want people to be careful and work on their immune system so that they don't have to deal with it. Mm. You know, you got yeah. the infection, so now you're dealing with the consequences. You know, it's it's much harder to to reverse the damage rather than mm-hmm. not have the infection in the first place itself. Yes. Um, you know, as as we go normal lifestyles where where things open up, you know, pe- people will obviously they'll start eating sugar you know, uh, they'll go back to their old lifestyle, which can, you know, like drinking alcohol, uh, you know, all of these things can, um, can screw up the immunity. And once the immunity is screwed up, you know, even if it is screwed up for a few minutes or a few hours, that, that interval is enough for the virus to get in. Yeah. You and know, once it's in uh, it, it does whatever it feels like doing. <laughs> <laughs> even having fear, you know, even fear, even having fear for a little bit of time can screw up your immunity. And, Mm-hmm. You're creating a passage for the virus to get in. Mm. Yes, that's the that's a hard one. Um, and I think as when you are going through the, the extreme symptoms, there's fear there. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm very aware of the you know avoiding the stress. I was meditating an awful lot, but the this, this is the sheer reality of of what was going on and not knowing how bad it was going to get it was very hard to... As, especially with the uh, with brain fog you know we 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 noticed this in a lot of uh, tbi we call it traumatic brain injury patients yeah. they only have a few hours in a day where uh, where they're completely alert and they they have to do all of their work in that particular mm-hmm. time yeah and that itself causes stress you know mm. yeah and there's there's for me it's it's just come to the acceptance of I can only do what I can do, um, mm. and and I've accepted that the um, rest is part of my work. And sometimes that's sleep. Sometimes sometimes that's watching a show. Sometimes it's just sitting outside. Um, yeah. And doing literally, it, if I just do a little bit of a little bit of a little bit, um, you know, everything's chaos. But that it gives yeah. me a sense of satisfaction, which in itself is is helping me. And yeah, yeah. One of the things, you know, I don't know if you have uh, hyperbaric oxygen there, uh, therapy. And- I, I'm looking into it. Devin that I interviewed last week, he has been doing that and has said it's helped him a lot. It has helped. I, um, you know, I haven't referred anybody for that, but that's something I would recommend to anybody who has like brain issues. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we use a lot of hyperbaric oxygen for people with uh, chronic Epstein-Barr virus, people with traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, um, you know, the brain, uh, you know, brain recovery. Um, we're also looking at other technologies. You know, there's some other, um, you know, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a device called Nano-V, uh, mm-hmm. N-A-N-O-V-I. Uh, and apparently uh, this particular device, when you use it, it improves your immunity. Um, so I, again, I never used it, but there are some centers here in Florida that, um, but again, we, we need more research in the, mm-hmm. uh, especially in these clients who have long-term COVID complications to see how they can feel better. Yeah. Well, if you ever need to find a research pool, I can help with that. Sure. There's, yeah. you know, people looking for answers and would more than happy being part of stuff so if you ever <laughs> if there's ever any noise going on for research participants so easy to find <laughs> sure yeah yeah and i i personally in, in my practice i do a lot of energy healing so mm-hmm. you know that in addition to everything else i do that for people who have long-term covid yeah i the type of osteopathy that i use um well the osteopaths that i see they work on a very energetic level um there's mm-hmm. no you know push and shove it's all energy healing and after treatment it there's such a difference in me <laughs> you know it is that okay yeah, that's really yeah, cool yeah. yeah yeah um and but when i was really sick i wasn't able to get that that know, is true yeah i couldn't you don't have access yeah I, yeah you know yeah but you know i don't think that i probably could have even <laughs> gone through it yeah. <laughs> um so uh, before when I was talking about trends, have you seen sort of trends in the way that symptoms present in the early stages? So we have been focusing a lot on lung, like cough, mm-hmm. shortness of breath, and mostly fever and body aches. Uh, but, you know, one of my best performing videos on YouTube is about diarrhea. Yes. You, I a lot of people have diarrhea. Di- <laughs> a lot of people have diarrhea and CDC somehow they never accepted that mm-hmm. fact for many, many months. Only mm-hmm. in the last two months, only in the last two months that CDC has, has uh, on their website, they put diarrhea as a symptom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it's very disabling because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't go to the doctor. And if you go to the doctor, all of the tests come back normal. Um, and, the, and the only way to get rid of the diarrhea is by getting rid of the virus. Mm-hmm. And... And it's the same dynamic. If the if the virus is is chronically setting in the system, you'll continue to have bouts of diarrhea over months and months. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I learned all of this by you know from the YouTube video because I had a lot of comments from people who actually had those symptoms. Yeah. Um, you know, I still see people who have acute COVID who have lung symptoms, but they also have diarrhea. So, so but the my- long term. Sorry. But the long-term stuff, you know, that I learned from, you know, comments from the videos mm-hmm. that I uh, posted. I should share some of your videos in in the group chat. Oh, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So if I, I, mine was only three weeks. Um, but you know, that's my area is gut health. That's what I, you know, my area mm-hmm, speciality. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, what I did eventually worked. I it, it threw me that I couldn't get on top of that it was three weeks it took me to actually yeah. get on yeah. top of it you know obviously it helped somehow so yeah it's it, it made me lose a lot of weight <laughs> i called it the rona diet, <laughs> <It is weird. laughs> the, the rona diet. 
But you know, sometimes you know, if you have viral diarrhea, then you're you're you may be losing muscle mass. It may not be completely fat. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> but still. Um, so, are there any? T- oh, we've already gone through some of the tips for those of us suffering Rona brain. But is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I would, uh, you know, I would work with a practitioner who is comfortable dealing with COVID and who knows and understands uh, like long-term consequences of COVID. Um, Because a lot of doctors, they're they're busy, you know, they may not be interested in treating people with COVID. Um, Mm. uh, And also, uh, you know, if uh, if they're completely traditional medicine oriented, they'll only treat with, uh, I told you, like the remdesivir and some of the medications, but they may not offer anything afterwards. So, um, you know, I, I follow the uh, Institute of Functional Medicine guidance, you know, mm-hmm. like the vitamins and the minerals. Um, I, would, uh, I would use the nebulizer, um, sometimes use mucomist nebulizer. Um, and as I told you, you know, I'm open to exploring hyperbaric oxygen therapy and all the new uh, technologies. You know, th- these were there before, but we never used them in COVID patients. Yeah. So um, I would entertain those. And I would really, you know, if, uh, if I were in a situation uh, where some of your audience are, where they're not getting good guidance from their doctor, I would look for somebody who's well-trained in this area who can, mm-hmm. who can help them along. Yes, I think that's what people are struggling with, finding, finding those people, which is why, I, you know, I've put a few doctors that, are, you know, are treating long-term patients on, on my website. Um, but, you know, I know, and you would know just from, you know, the functional medicine forum, there are so many doctors out there who were on the ball earlier. And, you know, for me, I found it really exciting to see all the modalities being shared and, you know, yeah. you know, there are, it's just finding those people. And I guess they're so busy. <laughs> it's, yeah, that is true. Yeah. 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 So Oh, I just answered my next question. So, but, but do you think that um, this pandemic has brought the best of the healthcare world, you know, the great minds together? I think it is, you know, like the speed with which they're coming up with the vaccine, the speed with which, uh, you know, they're coming with different treatments. I think, uh, I think healthcare is shifting. You know, healthcare is very, um, I don't know how it is in Australia, but it's very arcane, you know, like change takes like sometimes mm-hmm. years, decades, you know, change is very slow. And, and this is pushing healthcare where, you know, they have to change, otherwise they have to shut down. They're like, you know, we lost so much money. Uh, I, I'm, I'm saying we, but it's, it's my, you know, um, is the corporation that I work for. They lost millions and millions of dollars when everything shut down here. Uh-huh. So they had, to, they had to adapt and change. They had to bring new therapies, you know. Um, same thing with the, with the scientists, you know, they're having to do so much research in a, in a, um, in a short period of time. Mm. it's mind-blowing you know i'm surprised that they have so much research out already in the last yeah and even within the first few months that's how Mm -hmm. i learned a lot of what was going on was just from those early research that was going on march and april Mm -hmm. you know i mean that they knew then um the heart symptoms and you know that That is true you know yeah yeah how at that stage but (laughs) they knew and for me that was that was a great peace of mind and i think having access to the information that i did made the the journey easier i kind of knew where it was headed kind of and i and i have mm-hmm. a, a cousin who's a doctor emergency doctor and she was a great support for me because she had you know her medical information coming through and she could say okay you're at you're at this stage mm-hmm. 
this is where it could go wrong. So be careful for this, watch out for this. You know, if it gets to this point, this is when you need to go to hospital. And it was, you know, she was a great support. <laughs> it was wonderful. That's good. Yeah. Oh, very lucky. Very, very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else you would like to add? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about sharing uh, all of these things with you and with your audience. I, uh, you know, I want to, um, I want to share as much as possible because people need this information and, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, people need the support, both uh, not only emotional, but, you know, from me being a practitioner, you know, I'm, I'm always here to help people. So, um, and this is a great way to teach people because, you know, I can do one-on-one, but it's only one-on-one and it mm-hmm. doesn't translate to thousands of people. So. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I will, um, when this goes to all the places, I'll have a link to where people can find you. I know I've got one on my website, um, which I can't remember the actual. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll share you. I'll share my, my uh, website link and then my phone number, my email. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yep, yeah. Fantastic. Cause I think there'll be a lot of people interested in talking to you and it's, it's, you know, refreshing, um, to you know you're you're in the mainstream medicine but you're in the integrative and you're using a lot of modalities and it's just really refreshing and reassuring for 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 me you know you've told me things today that make sense okay that I haven't found out elsewhere so I really appreciate your input it's I'm sure people are going to find a lot of um insights in here that you know they're not crazy (laughs) I know they are are going through this you know because there are those people are calling us crazy um, mm-hmm. And there are those ma- moments where you doubt yourself, like because it's so it's so unpredictable. That is true. And it's the, what I'm noticing in talking to people is the symptom progression is random for people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's so different. <laughs> so, yeah, are yeah. we imagining these symptoms? Is this really happening? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's very difficult, and and also the information is not uh, it's not free flowing. Like the Google, I don't know their their trends. You know, I don't know how they set up their filters. Oh, um, I think they've been quite restrictive in a lot of yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, so the information is not free flowing like ten years ago, and that's that's yeah. a problem as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Dr. K. It's been well. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Ivy. Uh, thanks for this opportunity to chat with you and with your audience. I really appreciate this. Okay? I appreciate it too. Thank you. Yeah.